Welcome to It's Time on CSN International, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor Mike. The chief priests also, together with the scribes, mocked and said among themselves, He saved others. He himself, he cannot save. Let me tell you something, friends. The devil will still run that one by you all the time. When you're going through a trial... And the devil is very careful to remind you of all the people that you've helped in life. Yeah, remember that person they needed real bad? Yeah, that's good. God used you to save them. That's great. Remember that person that needed something? Yeah, you helped them. But what about you? You've saved others. You yourself, you can't save. Well, you know what's interesting? The devil still plays that one over and over again. You've got to, again, sometimes be aware of the devil's top ten. Because he knows how to take advantage of you. Remember, he's had 6,000 years experience, at least, over us humans. To know how to lie to us, to deceive us, to tell us something, to tell you enough truth to slip you a lie. It isn't that the other truths that the devil will tell you is what hurts you. It's the one lie that he will. It's like somebody walking up to you and saying, hey, would you like a jelly bean? Uh, yeah, okay. Oh, i got to tell you, I was out in the shop and there was some rat poison. One of them fell in the, in the poison. I don't know which one it was. I just put it back up and put it in my pocket. But you still want a jelly bean? Well, I don't think I do. I, I might get the one that was dipped in the poison. Yeah, but the rest weren't. Well, friends, it ain't the rest that hurt you. It's the one lie the devil will slip you that will ruin your life. And the devil knows how to string everybody along. He knows how to operate, you might say sometimes, on your psyche apart from the Spirit of God. Sometimes in logic, things don't make sense when it comes to the Word of God. When they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, send the crowds away. It's getting late. So they can find food and lodging. And Jesus said, you give them something to eat. One of the disciples said, several years' wages wouldn't pay for all these people. And he says, well, what do you have? And he said, all we have here is a few loaves and a couple of fish. But what is that among so many? And he said, bring them to me. And we remember that Jesus broke the the bread and broke the fish. Well, first he blessed it, then he broke it, and then he fed people. And I can guarantee you, when we come to God, God will break you, but then he'll multiply you and he'll feed people. The devil knows how to say things to hurt your spirit, to hurt your heart, to make you want to give up in your relationship with God. Friends, don't think you're the only one. You might say, well, Mike, yeah, but if I was a pastor, oh, listen, I feel like leaving all the time. I'm getting better now, though. I used to feel like leaving every day. Now I just feel like leaving every other day. But we all go through that. Don't think that you're the only one. Don't you think, you know, and, and you say, well, you know, if I was in ministry, I wouldn't feel that way. Let me tell you something. Anything that we do, the Bible says, as a matter of fact, everything we do is we do as unto the Lord. So if you're a body shop guy, do the best you can for Jesus. If you're a nurse, do the best you can for Jesus. If you're a minister, do the best you can for Jesus. Because, friends, ultimately, it's all work. It's all what we've got to do for the kingdom of God. And, and every God uses what we do to glorify Him and bless others through it. 
But the devil knows what to say to hurt your heart, to make you want to give up. He saved others, but he himself, he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And those who were crucified with him reviled him. It's interesting that it seemed that Jesus was there all alone now. Not only are you dying, but everybody's making fun of you as well. Now, of course, we know he could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't. And he didn't listen to the crowds. He didn't listen to the religious leaders of the day. Sometimes that can be a dangerous thing, too. Because religion can supplant a relationship with God. That's right. You can say, well, I was gloriously saved 30 years ago, and I was baptized, and I love to gossip. (laughs) Well, you know, if we're really doing what God's called us to do, we're going to be about our Father's business. I think a lot of times we like to hang our hat on a peg on the wall that says, I accepted Jesus 40 years ago, but there's really no fruit in my life. There's nothing that really motivates me to do anything for the kingdom of God. I just, I, I just kind of like that idea. Fire insurance sounds really good. And on judgment day, boy, that's going to be something I'm really going to want to cash in. But you know, really, it's a daily relationship with God. And you know how God uses each one of us is between you and the Lord and how you pray. And say, Lord, here am I. Now maybe it's just being a really good dad to your kids. Praying with your kids, encouraging your kids, making sure they go to church. And by the way, moms and dads, I want to tell you something. Don't ever use church as punishment for your kids. You know, a lot of times kids like to go... We, I, had, I knew this one guy one time. And he had a couple of daughters. And his daughters would act up. And do you know what he did for punishment? He wouldn't let them come to church. Now this guy claimed to be a Christian. And I told him, I said, of all the things, I mean, don't let him eat dinner, but don't cut off the relationship with God. Of all the things you don't want to do is you don't want to separate somebody from God. So if you've got a dad or a mom, be the best mom for Jesus, the best dad for Jesus you can be. Maybe it worked just to let your light shine. I'm not saying we don't know how bad days, because we do. We get cranky, we hit our thumbs with hammers, we do all kinds of really dumb stuff. But you know what? If somebody sees you blow it, go and tell them you're sorry. You know why? It shows you have a heart. You know, God in His Word never said that we're going to be perfect. The Bible does say that when we've offended somebody, we go to them and tell them that we're sorry. You know why? Because that shows you're different than everybody else. Because you know what? People in the world, they offend people, they don't care. You don't like it? Lump it. That's the way the world is. You know, when we offend somebody, we go, gosh, I'm sorry, I got mad, threw the hammer, threw the window, backed out and wrecked your car, and, you know, cussed a lot, and I love Jesus, and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Here's my insurance check. But you know what? That says a lot. Because it admits that there's something going on. There's another voice inside of your life that says, hey, listen, there's a monitoring going on here that's not going to let you just live any old sloppy way to live and you don't care. Oh, I'm a Christian. Listen, friends, everybody believes they're a Christian in something. They did a uh, one of those um, polls. And I think they said 91% of America claims they're Christian, but only 5% believe the Bible is the Word of God. Now we've got a problem here, don't we? Because then that tells me that we have more than 85% of America defining Christianity their own way. 
The Bible is what defines for us what is acceptable and unacceptable to God. And one of the things, friends, I don't have to stand up and say, now you stop doing bad and you start doing good. You know why? Because we know we're bad. And we know when we're bad. Now this is what I'm telling you is this. When you hear the voice of God as a Christian saying, you're out of line, listen, what do you do? Blow it off? No. You go and say, Father, show me how to correct what I did wrong. Because I don't know always t- what time, what to do. Sometimes it may be, you, God may say, hey, you better go with somebody because if you go alone, that person's going to hit you in the nose. You did something really stupid. So sometimes it might be, it might be just getting them a card. It might be getting them some flowers. It might be it's your spouse that you've offended. Now, if you're a guy, flowers don't mean much. Get him a wrench. He'll like that. Probably a hammer's not a good idea. But I'm saying that you pray and ask God, God, how do I fix this thing that I've done wrong? You see, as we're reading this here today, what we're finding is what Jesus did to fix the sin issue in all of our lives. I don't want Jesus to have died in vain, that, that, that what he did doesn't mean anything. See, when he died on the cross, he forgave our sins. Sin is the wax in your ears of the voice of God. In other words, you can't hear God's voice when you're not born again. People say, what's the importance of accepting Jesus? Well, I can tell you this. You'll hear God's voice again when you get right with God. Now, there's one voice that God sends to a non-believer. And that is, you need to get right with me. And that may be the first time... You ever heard the voice of God? If you're born again here this morning, you've heard the voice of God. And the reason why you have is when that little voice inside of you said, this Jesus thing, getting rid of your sins, being able to sleep at night, your past being forgiven, eternity, this is for you, buckaroo. And you go, okay. That was the voice of God. And that's the voice that you hear. Then God cleans our ears out. The Bible says he borns his spirit into us and we can hear God. We can hear his voice. We can hear if we've offended somebody. Let me tell you something. People without God have consciences, friends. The Bible says that God has written his law on men's heart, whether you're born again or you're not born again. That's why you know you've offended God. When you read the Ten Commandments, what that simply tells you is how far away from God we all have become. When it says you don't lie, cheat, Steal. That doesn't mean lie well. I'm not a habitual liar. No, no, the Bible says thou shalt not lie. That's one lie. Have you done that? Okay, you're an, you're an offense to God. Have you ever coveted? Have you ever want what somebody else got? Ooh, I like that. Mm, that's good. Well, if you've ever done that, you've broken God's law. Now, I, I can tell you how to, to covet Christian, the Christian way. I've told some of you this before. When you see something that somebody else has got and you really want it, you say, I want that and I hope they get a better one. But you look at that and you think, have I offended God? Yeah. And Jesus came to restore that communication. The world mocked Jesus for that. Religion mocked Jesus for what he was doing, the religious leaders of the day. Now, verse 33, it says, And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. So three hours, 
there was darkness upon the land. And in the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, Labana Sabathini, which translated means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those who stood by, when they heard it, look, he's calling for Elijah now. They knew he wasn't. They knew what he was saying. And some of those that stood by, when they heard this, they did not understand what Jesus was really saying. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, Leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah will come and take him down. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. And the veil of the temple was torn from in two from the top to the bottom. Notice the direction. It wasn't from the bottom to the top the way a man would do it. But from the top to the bottom, this, this curtain that was some six to, uh, well, we estimate between six to 12 inches thick, heavily woven, which separated the Holy of Holies from, the, from where the priest could normally minister. Now it's open, and it was where we could go in. This is what God did for us. No longer through a priest to approach God, but now dial direct and save. See, God allowed you now to go right straight to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, this is what I need. No longer through a man. See, this is where what, what's dangerous about going to a priest to confess your sins. Our priest, the Bible says, is Christ Jesus, who remains a high priest for us. And so the veil was torn from top to bottom. Now when the centurion, who stood opposite Jesus, saw, he cried out, when he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. And there were also women looking afar, from whom Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the less, and Joseph and Salome, they followed him and ministered to him when he was in the Galilee, and many other women who came up with him, to Jerusalem. So from a distance, the women watch. We don't find any of the men here at this particular point. And we find here that Jesus cries out. Now I'd like you to turn over to Psalms 22, and we're going to end here. Psalms 22, just go back in your Old Testament, right about, you know, it's interesting that Psalms is right about in the middle of your Bible. So if you just take your Bible and open it right about 50%, go whack, you're going to find Psalms right there. Go to chapter 22. And this incredible psalms that speaks of Jesus on the cross. Now, something important to remember when you're reading this, the way that capital punishment was administered in the time that this was written was through stoning, not through crucifixion. Yet, chapter 22 clearly defines and describes crucifixion. So he says in Psalms 22, and you're going to recognize these words because Jesus had just said it there in Mark. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and, my, and the words of my groaning? Now, we know when, some, when Jesus said that, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The reason why, friends, he became all of our sin. He carried on him. The iniquity, the Bible says, of us all. All the things wrong was on him. And Jesus as he became our sacrifice. And this was the whole idea in the Old Testament. If you were to go to a priest and you'd committed a, a sin, the, the priest would ask you what you'd done. They'd look it up in Levitical law. They would say, oh, well, you need a dove or you need a goat or whatever animal it was. And then the priest would have you lay your hand on the animal and then your sin was then moved to that animal and the animal was killed in your place. And so that was the whole idea of what's called blood atonement. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or forgiveness of sins. And so he says here, why, have you, why are you so far from helping me? Well, because Jesus became our sin. 
Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, I am not silent. And it's interesting that uh, the Bible there tells us for three hours, um, the sky was darkened and it became dark. Verse 3, But you are holy, who inhabits the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you, they trusted and, and you delivered them. They cried to you and you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. But I am a worm. I am no man. I'm a reproach of men, despised of the people. Remember? We just read that. Well, he saved others, but he himself he cannot save. And those who see me laugh me to scorn. This is exactly what the Bible said they would do to him. And they shoot out from the lip and they shake their heads saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Interesting, that's exactly what they were saying to Jesus. See, this prophecy that was written by David, hundreds and hundreds, thousands of years before, exactly describes what Jesus was going through on the cross. Verse 9, But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust when I was on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me, strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths as raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is well melted within me. This is exactly in crucifixion because of the nails. It, it literally pulls your, your bones right out of their sockets. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue clings to my jaws. And you have brought me to the dust of death. This is one of the reasons why they offered Jesus sour, uh, um, uh, sour wine is because... Um, dehydration was one of those parts of crucifixion. The dogs have surrounded me. The assembly of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Isn't this amazing? This is not common to the Jewish culture of the time. I can count all my bones, and they look and stare at me. They divide my garment among them, and my clothing And for my clothing, they cast lots. See, we read that. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me, and I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you, you who fear the Lord. Praise him. All of you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and fear him, all you offspring of Israel. For he is not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. Friends, that's for every one of us. When you go through something tough, God doesn't hide his face from you. He knows what it's like. He can relate with you. Some people say, I've had a bad week. I don't think you had a bad week like Jesus had a bad week when we're reading about this. And the Bible says here that he's not forgotten you. My praise, verse 25, shall be of you in great in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied, and those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. This is interesting here because up to this time, they didn't believe Gentiles could even be saved. In fact, if you read Acts, 
You're halfway through the book of Acts before they even knew Jesus' apostles even realized that Gentiles could be saved. But yet it tells us here, all the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom of the Lord's, uh, for the kingdoms is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. Those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, even those who cannot keep himself alive. A posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord in the next generation, and they will come and declare his righteousness to people who will be born. This, or excuse me, that that he has done this. So he's saying that this is something God did for you. Now here, David writes this down, literally, thousands of years before. And it speaks of that. Friends, I just want you to know, you're valuable to God this morning. Maybe you may feel abandoned by people. Maybe people have ripped you off. Maybe even people have called themselves Christians. I just want you to know this. Jesus never has. And God offers you hope this morning. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, and you're distant from God, and you want your life to be forgiven, you can pray. We're going to pray right now. And you can ask God to forgive you, and He will. So if you've never prayed, and you said, I've had enough. I want to repent. I don't want to live the way I've lived anymore. We're going to pray. And you can let God do something brand new in your life. So let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I have lived without you. I've done my own thing. And Lord, I'm not happy. So I ask you now, from this day forward, to be my Lord and to be my Savior. I believe you died on the cross for me. Your blood covered my sins. And so now, fill me with your Holy Spirit. So I'll have power to live for you each day. And thank you for eternal life. So I can spend eternity with you. So thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Father, thank you for loving me. Now, Holy Spirit, do your work in me. In Jesus' name, amen. That's Pastor Mike Kessler on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800-357-4226, and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, It's Time to Grow. Pastor Mike's book on the Christian walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll-free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time. For more, it's time. It's time.